Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 12 of the 2024 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. Last podcast, we really took a look at the conference championships. What were we going to be seeing heading into bowl season along with all of the finalists for the postseason awards? We know that Jaden Daniels, who I thought was going to win the Heisman, ended up coming through and did win the Heisman Trophy. I think Jaden Daniels, more than anybody else, has really improved that draft stock to the point to where he could end up being a top 10 pick. You look at the teams that need a quarterback, there are teams in the top 10 that are going to need a quarterback. If not, then he will be a, a top 20 pick at the at the minimum. You know, I, I don't see him getting past the top 20 picks. He's going to be the number three quarterback taken in this draft. Uh, and I think there are some that are saying that he may even be uh, a better prospect than Caleb Williams or Drake May. And, and here's why. This is a guy who is best from within the pocket. All but five of his touchdown passes are from within the pocket. His ability to manipulate the pocket and still be able to make those throws down the field with accuracy. Now, granted, he had some top flight receivers to throw the football to, but that's the, really one of the big things, his calling card. You know, I think that intermediate, short to intermediate accuracy, still work on that a little bit. And then also when he decides he does want to move, he's looking to run when he breaks the pocket. If he can really look at keeping those eyes down the field, I think that can really add another dimension to Jaden Daniels' game. Uh, I, I think when you look at the playoff, I hit three out of the four. I got Washington, Texas, and Michigan. I had Georgia beating Alabama. That didn't happen, obviously. I was actually expecting Florida State to lose. And, and, you know, it is a tough, tough situation with Florida State. You know, you go undefeated. You're expecting to be in the uh, in the playoff. But when Brock Glenn or Tate Rodemaker are your quarterbacks, you look at their performances, and I think that's really where the committee is looking at it. You know, there's something that's in the guidelines there with you know, the, the availability of the star players. This isn't the same team, you know, as, as one that you would have with Jordan Travis. You know, and I know people were comparing to the NFL and talking about, hey, look at the Eagles when they had Nick Foles and everything else and, and Cardale Jones with Ohio State. But the fact of the matter is, is if you watch that game against Louisville, Florida State, you know, that's a team that, frankly, th there isn't enough offensive firepower for that team to really uh, challenge Michigan. You know, or really any of the teams in the in the college football playoffs. You know, we saw them really struggle to get anything going. You know, they're outside of a couple of runs by Lawrence Toafili in that ACC championship game. We really didn't see a whole lot going there. Alabama, on the other hand, you know, granted they, they did struggle against Auburn, but what you saw there was a team that ultimately came together and beat Georgia 27-24. Jalen Milrow continuing to get better, although Milrow to me not a not a guy who's going to be a, a, a high draft pick or anything like that, but this is a team that I, I think is is surging at the right time, and uh, it makes perfect sense. I think you know we'll talk about that bowl matchup in, in next podcast. We'll take kind of the back half of the bowl season, uh, you know, in, in the next podcast. But I think when you look at the end of year, you know, the, the running back Ollie Gordon, we got that one right. Cody Schrader, though, the Bullsworth Trophy, I think that, that really makes a lot of sense. Leatu Latu getting both the Ted Hendricks Award and the uh, Lombardi. Look, this is a guy who 
56 pressures, most in the FBS. And, and yes, you know, this is a guy that the medicals, it's going to be huge to see what's going to happen with him. But I, I firmly believe that Leatu Latu should be a, a top 10 pick. I think he's the best edge rusher. I know a lot of people are higher on, on Dallas Turner. But if the medicals check out for Leatu Latu, the, the head and neck injury uh, that he suffered there at Washington, you know, with the Washington doctors uh, ultimately retiring him, medically retiring him uh, there in, in 2020, I, I just, if he's healthy, if they say, you know what, clean bill of health, he is a top 10 pick. He is the top edge rusher, premier edge rusher, in my opinion, in this year's draft class. Not only does he have the sack totals, but he's also a guy that can get after the quarterback and put a lot of pressure as well. Not just getting home, but also being able to affect play after play after play. Number 15 for the Bruins absolutely got it done. Uh, and then you look at the Benaric and the Buckus Award going to Peyton Wilson. Here's another guy who... You know, I look at him and it's all about the medicals, right? Because if Peyton Wilson gets a clean bill of health, this is a guy that we could be talking about as a first round pick. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe that because he, he's just like Jack Campbell. When you look at, at, at the, the measurements and everything, Peyton Wilson, 6'4", 235. Uh, that, you know, that's what he was playing at. Uh, over 400 tackles, 48 tackles for loss, 15 sacks, seven interceptions. 13 pass breakups, uh, you know, a guy that looked this past year, 138 tackles, you know, clean bill of health, uh, you know, 17 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, three interceptions, uh, and six pass breakups. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is, is it's those shoulder, the shoulder and the knee issues that he's had there while, while with the Wolfpack. But I think the pre-draft process is going to be huge for him because if the medicals check out and he has anywhere near the performance that Jack Campbell had at the Combine, then I think Peyton Wilson could very well be a first-round pick. When you look at what uh, Jack Campbell put together, you know, 302 tackles, 12.5 for loss, three sacks, five interceptions, uh, 10 pass breakups. You know, you're looking at some comparable numbers there with, with where Peyton Wilson is. And then when you talk about Jack Campbell, his performance at the Combine, that's really the biggest thing is, is the athleticism. That's what you want to see... Um, with uh, with Peyton Wilson, can he match that athleticism? That's the other reason why uh, Jack Campbell was the number 18 overall pick going to the Lions. Because even though he, he measured in at 6'4 and a half, 249 pounds, he ran a 4.6540 with a 1.59 10-yard split, uh, 37 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know the athleticism off the charts. You know short shuttle, uh, three cone drill. Uh, you know it was just it was ridiculous what this kid was able to do uh, out on the field there. And if Peyton Wilson can turn similar numbers, I think we're talking about Peyton Wilson as a first rounder. Uh, but again, medicals. If the medicals don't check out, we already know what happened with with Miles Jack as an example. That knee injury um, there at UCLA. They found that it was degenerative. Ultimately, Miles Jack, who was once seen as a top 10 pick in round number one, fell all, to, all the way to round two. Peyton Wilson, man, you know, he's got shoulder and knee issues. We could see him tumble to, to the middle of day two, possibly even into day three, based on those injuries alone. So that's really a, a big concern that I have. But he's a guy, man, he, he's so much fun to watch. One of my favorite players in this draft process, for sure. So now what I want to do is transition to bowl season. We've got 41 bowls that we need to cover and talk about the draft prospects in each of the bowls. Because look, you got to know if I'm watching a bowl game, 
who do I need to tune in and watch? Now, obviously, we had some bowl games this past weekend, uh, you know, Saturday the 16th, first full week uh, you know, uh, of football, and it obviously kicks off with a full slate of games. You know, I think we have, what, seven games. We're going to go ahead and go through each of those, talk about the, the top uh, prospects in each of those games, and then from there we'll transition, take a look at the first half, like I said, first uh, probably through December 26th before we go ahead and put an end to this podcast. And then in a couple of days, we'll take a look at the remaining bowl games and the guys to be on the lookout for. So the first bowl game we got to kick off with is obviously that Myrtle Beach Bowl, uh, Georgia Southern and Ohio. Uh, the Bobcats coming away with the 41-21 win. Uh, you know, the Bobcats, really this was a game that, you know, is kind of difficult to, to evaluate because uh, Curtis Rourke entered the transfer portal, heading to Indiana, the top running back, you know, uh, Shea Bangura, also in the transfer portal. Even their, their second running back, uh, you know, O'Shawn Allison, uh, the, the same thing. So what was going to happen with Ohio? And, and I'll tell you what, Parker Navarro stepped in and, and did an admirable job, admirable job there at the helm, uh, throwing the football around. But uh, the top guy for me is going to be Sam Wigless. You know, he had five catches for 64 yards. When you watch him, he's just he's a smooth, speedy possession receiver, you know, slot guy. Is he gonna get drafted? Likely not, you know, but he's one of those guys, you think of a Hunter Renfro, you think of you know Trent Taylor, you think of a lot of these different guys uh, that could work out of the slot and be a guy that can be effective at the next level, Wes Welker type, um, just a guy that is so sharp in and out of his breaks, very sudden, you know, he's six foot, 183 pounds, started his career at Ohio State. Played with a lot of talented receivers there, and uh, you know he's just a reliable, sure-handed target. You saw him; you know he was effective uh, you know, over the middle in traffic during the game. The route running ability was there. You saw you know the stutter, quick jab step to show the outside release, cuts it back inside on a slant, easy nine-yard gain. This is a guy that knows how to get open, and uh, that's why I think he'll have a chance at the next level uh, to stick with an NFL franchise. Um, you know another guy to just be on the lookout for there for uh, Ohio is Bradley Weaver. This is a guy who uh, you know racked up double-digit tackles for loss, only a sophomore, 6'4", 264, speed rush, um, you know, being able to work back to the inside to get to the quarterback and, and get a sack. Also a guy that, you know, he took on the block, beats the left tackle, takes on that, that pulling guard as well, drops that shoulder, slips to the inside, drops the running back for a tackle for loss. He's the guy to keep an eye out for, for sure. Coming off the bench at two sacks and three tackles for loss. Uh, and then finally, uh, Bryce Houston. He's six foot, 246. Um, you know, had eight tackles in this game. Uh, you know, he's, he's undersized. And so that's really the biggest, you know, knock against him. Is he a guy that's going to get drafted? Maybe a late round, likely going to be a, a priority free agent, but a guy that could either make a practice squad or potentially sneak his way onto a roster as a special teams ace. Uh, for Georgia Southern, when I look at this team, you know, there, there's a lot of youth there. You know, the one guy that I think everybody was targeting was, was Jalen White, uh, the the running back there for the, the Eagles. And, uh, you know, six foot 209, uh, solid dude, um, good ball skills coming out of the backfield as well, but only have one carry for minus two yards and, and a reception for, for four yards. Really just wasn't able to get anything going. Um, O.J. Arnold really saw the bulk of the carries there for uh, for Georgia Southern. But there's one name that I do want to mention, and that's Caleb Hood. Uh, seven catches, 31 yards, nothing really to write home about. But this is a guy who, you know, Georgia Southern always known for the triple option. This is the first receiver with 100 receptions 
in, in a single season. Uh, so that's obviously a record there for, for Georgia Southern and, and Clay Helton and company. Um, but this is a guy, look, he, he comes back for the ball, uh, does a really good job on, on those those comebacks, being able to catch the ball away from his frame, attack the football uh, so that the defender couldn't come over the top on him. And then you know you saw the, the ability, the body control along the sideline, extending for the ball overhead, keeping the feet inbound before going, going out, and then controlling the ball all the way to the ground, controlling the process of the catch. He's a guy to me that I think could end up making his way onto a practice squad. You know, I, I think he's going to have to fight for that because he's not the biggest guy in the world. 5'10", 180, I think the measurements and uh, you know being able to get out there and run the 40 is going to be huge for him. But, you know, he's, he's the guy, I, I think, with Jalen White battling that injury of the guys that would have been potential draft targets. Uh, Caleb Hood probably was, was next in line in that group. Um, now, Howard taking on uh, Florida AM. and This game went back and forth. Ultimately, the Rattlers getting the 30-26 to 26 win. Um, and look, you know, that, that's uh, you know, a team that went, I believe, 12-1 on the year. Uh, Jeremy Musa is, is a nice athletic quarterback. Threw a couple of picks, but three touchdowns on the game as well. Um, his receiver, Marcus Riley, uh, had a couple of 40-yard kickoff returns. Uh, had a 96-yard kickoff return to open up the season uh, there against Jackson State very sudden that's one of the things that you saw he started you know both of those kicks to the right ultimately foot in the ground plants and you see that lateral agility to really bounce it quickly to the outside and then the speed down the side like getting to full full uh, full speed in a hurry now the guy really to, to watch out for again another guy who's only a sophomore but anthony dunn jr uh, is a guy that really popped on my radar this is a guy that had uh, eight sacks coming into the game 12 tackles for loss and uh, he went up against the left tackle, Aneem Denkwa, there for Howard. And uh, we'll talk about him here in just a second. But, you know, this was an NFL-type matchup, um, you know, with the NFL prospects. You know, you saw the stutter, uh, making a lateral cut then to cross the face, get back to the inside with a quick arm over, closes in on, on Quentin Williams, uh, ultimately made him fumble, scoop and score by, by FAMU, ultimately called back because he grabbed the face mask. Um, this guy, you know, he's a very emotional player, high-energy guy, needs to contain his emotions a little bit. But, man, you, you saw the speed coming off the edge. You saw his ability to uh, use the hands and really swipe at uh, Dankwa and uh, being able to bend and, and get into the backfield and uh, really made things difficult there for Quentin Williams. Really, uh, you know, like I said, a high-motor, high-energy type of guy coming off the edge. Uh, and then Kamari Young, their tight end. I think he may get a look. 6'4", 245, had three catches for 78 yards. Um, you know, guy 15.3 yards per reception coming into the game. This guy was a weapon. He was a weapon up the seam, catching the ball away from his frame in front of the linebacker, turns up the field for, for a gain of 16 yards. Um, you know, you saw him running a crossing route, planning, spinning back to the inside. Very athletic play to pick up 44 yards. Uh, you know, not much of a blocker by any means, but a guy that was very athletic, a guy that was able to catch the football over the middle in traffic on a fourth and five, um, you know, from the 39-yard line, getting into the red zones. Really strong hands because the safety coming over the top was trying to attack it and rip it free. One last guy there would be the linebacker, Isaiah Major, the SWAC defensive pl uh, player of the year, team captain, 106 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, couple of sacks, couple of interceptions, 11 tackles, three uh, tackles for loss, and two sacks against uh, South Florida. Um, had the game-clinching interception, really drove downhill on, on a screen. Ultimately, the receiver slipped down, was able to jump that route, and, and at full speed, 
layout, diving catch, get both of those arms underneath the ball, ended up sealing that that win with a, a buck 45 to play. So those are guys to me that are that are going to be on the radar. Uh, Major is 6'1", 230, the linebacker. Uh, Youngs, again, 6'4", 245. Those guys are both draft eligible. Anthony Dunn, we got to wait at least one more year before he makes him uh, makes himself eligible for the draft. Then I mentioned Anim Dankwa. This guy is enormous. He's 6'9", 362 pounds. He's going to the East-West Shrine game, so we really want to see what he could do uh, there. Uh, 35 and 5'8 inch arms. I'll tell you what, he needs to work on his footwork. You know, this was one of the things to where uh, very slow feet. They weren't matching his hands. Um, you know, Anthony Dunn was really giving him a lot of issues with the speed, was able to uh, catch him on the outside and cross his face back to the inside. He was really just looking to overpower guys and wanted to throw them aside. Um, you know, just so slow with this change of direction. That's really what I worry about with him is does he have enough lateral quickness? Does he have enough foot speed? Uh, you know, a lot of times you'd see the very quick first step and then he'd square up Anthony Dunn and you see him kind of backpedal and at that point, you know, a lot of his momentum is going backward. It's going straight back where Anthony Dunn is trying to bend around the edge. He's attacking his hands. He's crossing the face. He's getting into the backfield, and, and Dankwa just couldn't really recover. So I think the East-West Shrine game is going to be huge for him if he wants to get himself drafted. Now, the Jacksonville State-Louisiana game went into overtime, and uh, Jack's, Jack State with a 34-31 win. Um, you know, the, the kicker... Uh, Garrison Ripa, two field goals, including the, the game clincher there. And those were the first two uh, field goals of his career. Now, Nathan Thomas, Louisiana's uh, offensive tackle, look, 6'5", 333. Um, you know, look, they, they've had draft picks coming from the Raging Cages. Robert Hunt, Kevin Dotson, Max Mitchell. Thomas is a guy that could very well see himself get drafted on day three. Decent you know, long arms, not quite 34 inches, but um, really big hands. I think that Nathan Thomas is a guy that's probably going to kick inside the guard, much like, uh, you know, uh, Robert Hunt did as well. Um, but uh, he battled an injury and, and ultimately wasn't able to play in the game. Um, I was looking forward to seeing that, and we just didn't get to see that happen. And then uh, Colby Fuqua uh, for, for Jack State. You know, he had a, had a nice game. Uh, nine tackles on the day, um, the Auburn transfer, and, and this is a big dude. That's one of the things that I think um, uh, was impressive watching his his speed. He's 6'3", 220, and uh, 78 tackles on, on the on the year, had 18 tackles against Coastal Carolina. He was rushing Chandler Chandler Fields, uh, beat the, line, the, the left tackle, flattens out in a hurry, chases him down. The quarterback kind of planted and doubled back. Couldn't bring him down there, but the effort to chase him all the way to the opposite side and uh, you know ultimately force force the quarterback out, I thought that was really nice to see. Then you also saw him with a hard jazz step up the field, cross the face of the tight end, Neil Johnson, blow up a run play before it got going. He's the guy that I think will at least get a look because he's intriguing. Is he a, is he a true nickel? Is he a, a safety? Is he a linebacker? You know, is he? You know, could he be that divine Diablo type of a type of a player with you know that that skill set? You know, I think that's something that's going to be interesting. And then Perry Carter, the receiver, four catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown there on the outside as well. Uh, he's another guy that I thought was a, a playmaker for Jack State in the bowl game. Uh, we move on to the Cure Bowl, and uh, man, this was in Orlando, and uh, man, FBC Mortgage Stadium was just uh, a hot mess. It looked like 
uh, you know, just a deluge going on here. You know, just uh, the downpour. You know, you really couldn't get much going in terms of an offense. Um, when you look at at Miami of Ohio, their best players are underclassmen. Matt Salapet, 10 tackles, pass breakup on the day. This is a guy that has three straight seasons of 100-plus tackles. He's a guy that I think is going to be a very intriguing guy. Um, but look, he's only a junior. He'll come back for one more year. 6'1", 230, the MAC Defensive Player of the Year. Sideline to sideline player. He's instinctive. The guy that uh, is going to make plays all over the football field. Decent hips, dropping into coverage. Gets downhill as a bla as a blitzer. And this game, um, you know, having to get after you know both Joey Aguilar and then uh, in the passing game and then Kanye Roberts. Uh, you know, just the the weather made it a lot more difficult, and you really it was made it a lot a lot tougher to to evaluate. Uh, Gage Larvadan, their receiver, also a junior, 5'10", 165. He's a guy to keep an eye on at the group of five level. Number two in the MAC in receiving touchdowns and receiving yards. There's a ball that was underthrown to the outside. Showed a nice ability to adjust back to the football, reach in, uh, reach down, and, and make a sliding catch, get those arms underneath the football for that reception. Four catches for th 36 yards on the day. But really, the, the, the focal point of that offense was Rashad Amos. Big number zero, 6'2", 234 pounds. The redshirt sophomore, physical, downhill, one cut and go, powerful lower body, runs with the with the forward lean. Um, you know, and a guy that, look, he bounces off tackles, continues to move forward, and uh, man, you get him out in space, he's got, he's got some speed as well. That's the other thing that I thought was really impressive. Um, defensively, Caden Woolard, 6'5", 252, only a junior, top 15 in sacks this year with nine and a half. Uh, you, know, you saw him you know, sniffing out a, a play-action throw to the fullback in the flat, came straight off the edge to the quarterback. Uh, Joey Aguilar, not fooled by the, the play-action, drills the quarterback as he threw it. Uh, you know, just an instinctive player you know, as an edge rusher. And uh, you know, like I said, Miami of Ohio, is there anybody that's entering the draft this year? You know, the one guy that I could have said was was Michael Dowell, uh, but the nickel transfer from uh, Michigan State did not play in the game. Um, if we look at Appalachian State, you know, again, you know, this is a team. I think they're they're top um, pro prospect. I would say um, would have been uh, Nate Noel, their running back, and unfortunately, Nate Noel entered the transfer portal. Uh, but Joey Aguilar is is a junior. First-year starter, uh, a guy that was playing at Diablo Valley Community College the last two years, but a guy, look, you know, 33 touchdown passes coming into the game, third in the FBS. You know, a guy that, you know, threw an interception on his first play, rebounded for 7-12, 126 yards. He rifled an 18-yard post in to Makai Jackson in the weather, put it right out in front of him, ripped it through the, through the rain, uh, you know, you saw him putting the ball on the money on a post play. Makai Jackson, again, dropping the football there. Um, but being able to also find, uh, you know, Caden Robinson, his number one wideout, the guy that I was really impressed with making plays there on the outside, um, you know, was able to, on a go route, put the ball over his shoulder and uh, allowed him to, to make a play not only on the football but then be able to, to carry that on down the field after the catch. I think Joey Aguilar, look, you know, he dealing with the weather, 18 to 32, 211 yards and an interception. Also was able to score on the uh, on a run play, but he, he's a guy, you know, that that is going to be intriguing. You know, he's um, 6'3", 220 pounds, strong arm. I think Sean Clark and company, 
you know, have something going with him and Caden Robinson, the receiver. Eight catches, 118 yards on the day. Went over 100 yards in the first half. Showed the ability to beat the corner um, you know, off the line of scrimmage. Gets vertical in a hurry. Ball thrown a little short. Was able to still haul it in over his shoulder. Broke tackles. Uh, you know, showing that physicality as a runner after the catch. He's 6'2", 205. That play was 51 yards, 51 of the 107 that he had in the first half, uh, you know, coming on that play. Uh, but I think they've got a nice one-two punch uh, there for App State, and I think that's going to, you know, give some teams uh, trouble as they move forward in some belt play. App State ultimately got the win 13-9. to If we transition to Fresno State and New Mexico State, Bulldogs coming away with the win, 37-10 in the New Mexico Bowl. Um, you know, look, New Mexico State, you know, Jerry Kill's done a tremendous job with the Aggies here. And, and Diego Pavia, I think, is is the one guy that I think everybody kind of turns to uh, within that program and wants, wants to see him do well. Um, six foot, 200. He's been a lot of fun. Um, he's a fourth-year senior. He could come back. You know, that's really, you know, is he going to transfer? What's going to happen there? Um, what is Diego Pavia going to decide to do? Um, you know, he's a dual threat. You know, had 18 carries for 72 yards and a score, but uh, just 11 to 25 for 58 yards and a pick uh, as a passer. That's really the biggest thing with him is he's inconsistent throwing the football. Over 2,900 yards passing on the year, 877 yards, which led the Aggies on the ground, 32 total touchdowns, eight interceptions, was the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, just an undersized mobile quarterback, dual threat of rack up yards as a runner. I just don't know that he has enough skills as a passer to really make it at the next level. So I, I expect him to come back, uh, play another year there for Jerry Kill, but I think it'll be really tough for him to uh, find his way onto an NFL roster. Uh, you know, Carlton Johnson is one of the guys that I have my eye on there for Fresno State. Really, you know, didn't have a, a huge day because New Mexico State struggled throwing the football. Um, you know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, he, he was a track guy at uh, uh, in high school. Uh, he's 5'11", 160 pounds, likely not going to get drafted, but a guy that could be a priority free agent. And a guy to watch out for next year is going to be Malik Sherrod, the running back. Uh, 20 carries for 90 yards along with eight receptions for 81 yards. So he showed the ability to not only be an effective runner both between the tackles and on the outside, but also as a pass catcher. And, uh, you know, it's 5'8", 173 pounds. You know, he, he kind of, I liken him to, uh, you know, that, that Ronnie Rivers type. You know, a running back that could stick around in the league for a little bit because of his ability to potentially be a, uh, a weapon in the return game, but absolutely as a, a change of pace back. Um, you know, but Fresno State really you know, outclassed New Mexico State in this game. Uh, Boise State and UCLA. Look, this is a tale of, of uh, really of two halves. Uh, UCLA was down 16-14 going into, into halftime. Uh, Colin Schley was their quarterback. He actually goes down to injury after a, a long run. Um, I want to say it was like 50 yards. You know, Schley, you know, known, for, you know, known as a runner. He did a lot of that at Kent State as well. Seven carries, 127 yards. But then Ethan Garbers came in. Uh, 9 of, of 12 for 152 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He was the guy that really kind of stirred the drink there for the Bruins. They were without Carson Steele. Uh, you know, TJ Harden had 105 yards and a couple of scores there. Ultimately, ends up they end up beating Boise State 35-22. UCLA without Liatu Latu, um, and you know how I feel about him. But uh, Grayson Murphy was the guy who I think has definitely uh, proven himself as an edge rusher on the outside. Really hasn't announced what he's you know going to do just yet. 
uh, but 6'3", 263, a guy that, you know, I thought he did a really good job running the arc. You see the rip move. You see the, you know, good bend. Uh, takes the proper angle, getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, there's a chop coming down on a third and 14 play. Bends around and uh, beat the left tackle in a hurry. Flattens out, chased the quarterback, C.J. Tiller, all the way to the sideline, really forcing that, that sack. But you saw that really, you know, quick closing burst at the end of the play to really force the quarterback out. Exceptional effort, doesn't give up on a play. Um, and uh, so he's a guy to me that I, I've got my eye on um, if he does decide to enter the draft. Another guy who is a senior and a guy to keep an eye out for either late on day three or as a priority free agent, and that's going to be uh, Darius Muasa. Uh, uh, an experienced linebacker, and I thought in this game, you know, it was his 26th consecutive start, sideline to sideline player, improved blitzer, had four sacks this past season. Uh, there was a throw to the tight end, Riley Smith in the flat, closed in a hurry, wrapped him up in the open field. You love to see the, the ability to make those plays, uh, be a reliable tackler in the open field. Also saw that on a screen play to Ashton Gianti. He was sitting in coverage over the middle. Um, shot to the outside, dropped the running back for, for a four-yard loss. Good read and react coming downhill. Um, and, you know, that's really uh, was an impressive play. Look, 11 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. Did everything he could in his final uh, final game there with the Bruins to showcase what he could do for NFL scouts. But, look, you know, Austin Ashton Gianti is the future there for Boise State. Uh, 5'9", 2'10", only a sophomore, but we'll be talking about him in next year's draft class. An all-purpose running back, um, if there ever was one. You know, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 552 yards as a receiver going into this game. You saw the contact balance, the bounce-off defenders. Um, you know, a guy that could get skinny coming through the hole and uh, just continually running through tackles. 55 broken tackles, first in the FBS coming into this game as well. 85 yards on the ground, 17 uh, receiving yards on four catches as well. George Halani also uh, showing off some of his skills. 138 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, long as 66 yards. This is a guy that two-time 1,000-yard rusher. Didn't do that this year because of the, of the breakout season that Gianti had. But, uh, man, this is a guy that definitely showed uh, some elusiveness in the open field, uh, his ability to plant and cut and avoid uh, defenders and, and be able to juke inside and then cut back outside and burst coming down the field. He's a guy that's going to be a, a day three pick, I think, and uh, he did everything possible in this game to uh, continue to showcase that ability, make sure people didn't forget about him. Boise State, though, look, you know, without Taylor Reed, uh, the, the quarterback, a guy who's, who's transferred to Arkansas in the transfer portal, you know, I think Boise State was a little out, uh, outmatched in the passing game, just 117 yards through the air for C.J. Tiller, um, threw a pick as well in the game. But uh, I, I think when you look at that, uh, Boise State, I think George Olani, day three, um, probably late day three, feels about right for uh, for that group at this point. Um, when you look at Cal and Texas Tech in the Independence Bowl, this was the nightcap. This was the game uh, at the very end for everyone. And, uh, you know, I thought Patrick McMorris had a nice day, 11 tackles, three tackles for loss, uh, a guy that comes downhill. I think that's really one of the big things that, that I saw in that game. You know, he liked to come downhill, had a nose for the football. Uh, I, I thought at times he got lost in, in coverage, um, but he, he makes quick breaks on the football and uh, does a good job um, 
just really making plays, uh, not only around the line of scrimmage, but getting back and in, in coverage. I thought you know he was exceptional there at San Diego State, transferred to Cal, and uh, was one of the leaders on that defense. Um, so Cal, obviously Jaden Odd is the guy that everyone's going to be talking about, led the Pac-12 in rushing uh, over 1,200 yards. And uh, look, he's six foot two hundred. He and Giancy are two guys that we have to be talking about for sure uh, in next year's draft class. You saw just the burst, uh, his ability to get uh, outside, and then the speed, setting up his blockers, juking uh, guys in the open field. Uh, only had forty-two yards on the ground. Uh, did score a touchdown in the game. Uh, but look, you know, Cal was just outmatched by the Red Raiders in this one. Uh, 34-14 was the final. Uh, Taj Brooks has already announced that he's decided that he is going to return to Lubbock, and that's huge for the Red Raiders. Had 99 yards and, and a touchdown on the day as well as, as five receptions. Went for minus three yards, but look, when you talk about Taj Brooks, he's 5'10", 230 pounds. Uh, he's strong between the tackles. Uh, just bounces off. Just bounces off tacklers you know 95 force missed tackles which are most in the FBS according to, to ESPN on the broadcast and uh, you know a dude that you know he just he plants gets downhill and he's just gonna run you over run through you uh, good hands as a receiver uh, you know it had 800 yard games um, had that streak snapped ultimately um, you know with this game came just a yard short but uh, you know, Definitely a guy that we're going to be watching in next year's draft cycle as well. So, you know, mentioned that trio of, of, uh, of running backs. I think it's, those are guys that you can really get excited about. One other guy to mention is Tony Bradford. I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do. Um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, with, with Jalen Hutchings going down to injury, that definitely hurt them up front. Um, you know, with Bradford 6'1", 300. Um, we didn't really get to see much from Tony Bradford, but what I like about him is that he can line up at all three of the positions there, whether it was defensive tackle at the five technique, over the nose. Um, he's a versatile player, a guy that has a pretty good burst coming up the field. Um, you like the effort chasing guys down from behind. He was just the guy that I was waiting to see a little bit more from in this game, and, and we just didn't get that. And this is a year with a very weak defensive tackle class in terms of the depth. So I think this is a year where Tony Bradford could potentially uh, separate himself and actually get himself drafted. Uh, so I'm going to be curious to see what he can do during that pre-draft process. Uh, so now as, as we move forward, um, the next bowl game that we have on the radar is, is Monday's uh, famous Toastery Bowl. That's Western Kentucky taking on Old Dominion. And uh, Malachi Corley is not going to be playing in this bowl game. 5'11", 211 pounds. He's built like a running back. Um, and uh, that, that's one of the things that you see, uh, the, the physicality with which he, you know, which, with which he plays. Uh, a guy that knows how to, to get vertical. This is kind of the, the, the Debo Samuel of this year's draft, if you will. Also know Austin Reed, a quarterback. I believe Turner Helton, Clay Helton's son. Uh, and the nephew of, of the head coach, Tyson Helton, will be uh, at the helm. And uh, when you look at this team, though, I, I think the the one guy that jumps out to me on the defensive side of the football is Jaquez Evans. And this is a guy who battled injury. He's only a junior, so he's likely to return to the Hilltoppers. Only played in six games this year, but he's a year removed of you know 106 tackles. 13 and a half going for loss, eight and a half sacks. Also have five pass breakups as well. A guy that can 
put pressure on the quarterback. And I think the fact that they didn't have that explosive playmaker on defense hurt Western Kentucky to a degree. And uh, ultimately, that's you know that's a big reason why they finished seven and five overall, five and three in, in uh, play in Conference USA. Um, you know they're taking on Old Dominion, and one of my favorite players again is Jason Henderson. And Henderson's going to be coming back and playing one more year. And uh, look, he's 6'1", 220 pounds, and over 400, uh, 434 tackles, 33 and a half going for lost, uh, six and a half sacks. A guy who's just a heat-seeking missile and knows for the football. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a guy that has back-to-back, you know, 170 tackle seasons, you know that that's absolutely remarkable. Um, a guy that just has a nose for the ball. He's going to be out, um, which means the next guy to really step up is, is Wayne Matthews, uh, the third. He's 6'2", 225 pounds, 121 tackles during the regular season. This is a guy who's only a redshirt sophomore, so I I don't expect him to enter the draft by any means but he's ultimately going to be the guy that's going to be asked to fill the void uh, left by uh, Jason uh, Jason Henderson not being there in the lineup but he, he's one of those leaders there on the defensive side of the football and I think you know really this defense is going to be in good hands next year with Henderson and Matthews uh, there at that linebacker position and then on Tuesday just trans- make the transition there We've got the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl with UTSA taking on Marshall. Um, I think when I look at, at this game, obviously the number one guy on my list would have been Trey Moore. But Trey Moore, not only has he opted out of this game, um, he's actually entered the transfer portal. 6'2", 250 pounds. This is a dude, uh, 14 sacks, 17 and a half going for loss, 22 sacks in his career. A guy that is a versatile edge rusher and a guy that I was honestly looking forward to seeing in this bowl game. I'm curious to see where he's going to go. I think a lot of teams can benefit from him. If he goes to a power five team, then you could really see how his skill set would translate to the next level. So with him um, not playing in this game, obviously your attention can turn to Frank Harris, the quarterback there for UTSA. And uh, you know the thing that's interesting about Frank it, you know he's been there a long time. He's six foot, two hundred pounds, and uh, you know he's played there for for five years. And uh, you know he's a just under sixty seven percent completion percentage in his career, uh, eleven thousand eight hundred passing yards. Uh, his biggest issue is the interceptions. You know he has ninety two touchdowns, but thirty one interceptions, um, seventeen in the last two seasons there for the Roadrunners. Um, but a guy that was very versatile as a runner. Over 2,100 yards on the ground, 28 touchdowns. Look, he's got a live arm. Um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think struggles at times as a, as a quarterback. You know, he had some, some knee injuries, some knee problems as well, but uh, was a tremendous leader for that team. And a guy that I think, um, you know, just because of the way the game has shifted and you've got a lot of these athletic quarterbacks, could he potentially find himself onto a roster? That's going to be a big question mark there. Um, you know, Rashad Wisdom is a veteran safety on the back end of that defense, a guy that's going to look to come downhill. Um, you know, and then Gaborian Barnes, a running back, a redshirt sophomore, a guy that'll be back next year, uh, 5'9", 220 pounds. He's physical, uh, a guy that, that loves to drop his pad level and, and look to run over you. And, uh, 
he's been he's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, for for the Roadrunners, um, you know, again an undersized back, uh, over 1,500 yards uh, and 12 touchdowns in his career, uh, 24 receptions as well. Uh, he'll be back for another year for the Roadrunners as well. When you transition to Marshall, obviously Rasheen Ali is a guy that I think everybody has to be excited about watching. Six foot, 200 pounds. This is a guy. Look in 2021, over 1,400 yards and 23 touchdowns, 45 receptions as well. Then he ultimately ends up going down to, to an injury. He only played in three games in 2022. And then this past season uh, goes over 1,000 yards yet again, 14 touchdowns, uh, 28 receptions as well. And, and I think with Rasheen Ali, look, this is a guy who has tremendous burst. You love the lateral agility, uh, the vision uh, to bounce the inside zone to the, to the to one side and then getting outside and, and down the football field. He presses the line of scrimmage, good lateral quickness. Again, like I said, and the bounce uh, against Georgia State, there was a 65-yard touchdown on a wheel route. Gets down the field, adjusts to the ball well with the DB having inside leverage. Uh, there was another receiver in the area bringing a defensive back with him. Tremendous concentration to haul that pass in, spin away, get down the sideline for the touchdown as well. Um, you know, so he's a guy that um, I think is a, a day three prospect. And that's something that you definitely look at. You know, he just, the biggest question mark is going to be the medicals. If the medicals check out for him, I think Rasheen Ali is the guy that we could be talking about as a guy that, that uh, could be drafted at some point um, on the mid to late day three range. But a guy, look, uh, was definitely very productive for the Thundering Herd. Um, one other guy to make mention of is going to be Owen Porter. He's undersized as an edge rusher, 6'3", 232. He'd probably be an outside linebacker in a 34 defense. But look, 42 tackles for loss, 17 and a half sacks. Is he a guy that's going to get drafted? Likely not. Um, but a guy that, look, you know, he gets the, the, the push up the field, attacks the outside shoulder, um, quick spin move back to the inside. He has that that he uses very well. Doesn't stay blocked. Uh, a guy that just plays with his hair on fire all the time. So uh, watch out for number 55 in that bowl game as well. Uh, I, I think you'll uh, become a, an instant fan of Owen Porter's. No games on Wednesday, which means Thursday, December 21st, we get the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, and that's going to be USF against Syracuse. I think with Syracuse, Justin Barron is the guy that you have to like. He's 6'4", 231 pounds. He's a team captain, was a receiver um, at one point. Now he's he's kind of a you know either a safety or a linebacker. He's one of those hybrid guys. And when I look at him, he's another like divine Diablo. Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? What type of position are we going to see him playing? Um, and look, he's he's only a junior, so he can end up coming back and uh, and playing one more season there at the Qs. Um, but you know, 83 tackles, five going for loss on the year, uh, an interception, seven pass breakups as well, three forced fumbles. He's a guy that I think um, has NFL ability. And uh, I think the fact that he is a former receiver also plays well for him because uh, he understands a lot of the route concepts. Uh, you know, Aronde Gazin had the season-ending injury. Um, so he's a guy that obviously we know will be coming back and playing another year there uh, for Syracuse. And then for the Bulls of South Florida, uh, Daquan Evans. You know, he's 5'11", 185 pounds. Uh, a guy that just has a nose for the football coming downhill. Um, you know, it's crazy because he's he's a DB. You look at the 12 tackles for loss, 
the three sacks, the seven pass breakups. Uh, and this is a guy that you start looking at and saying, you know what? He does a little bit of everything for the Bulls. Uh, and look, Didi, um, you know, against Alabama had a tremendous game. You know, speed coming off the edge, ran right by the left tackle, Caden Proctor, bent really low, getting under that pad level, right around to uh, trip up Ty Simpson in the pocket. Uh, was so fast coming off the edge on another play, just ran right around Proctor, way too slow for that speed. Uh, showed he could get low, dip that shoulder, flatten out to the quarterback for a sack. So this is a guy that, you know, high end, being able to get after the quarterback, and that was against Bama. Granted, it was early in the season, but still, you know, this guy has really good athleticism and good instincts getting after the quarterback. He's a guy for me that I've just had fun watching play because he makes a lot of those plays around the line of scrimmage. Is he a guy that's going to get drafted? Likely not. He's kind of an undersized guy. Um, but again, the instincts, a guy that wants to play downhill, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, if nothing else. Which takes us to the lone game on Friday, December 22nd, and that's Georgia Tech and UCF and I think with UCF you know you have to talk about Javon Baker the receiver 6'1 208 uh, 22 and a half yards per reception six touchdowns on the year guy that transferred from Alabama really a solid route runner I think that's the guy that um, UCF is going to have to get the football to John Rice Plumley uh, slinging the football around there for the Golden Knights you know, this was a team that struggled to, to win some games there um, in Big 12 play their first year there. But you know, Javon Baker, I thought, you know, really was the guy that continued to step up time and time again. One other guy to keep an eye out for is the running back, R.J. Harvey. 5'8", 195, good strength between the tackles for a guy that size. Doesn't go down on first contact. Um, an excellent receiver as well. Um, that's something that I think definitely jumped out on tape. A guy that can even make some plays in the return game. And look, you know, this is a guy, again, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 16 touchdowns, has 39 receptions in his career. And, uh, you know, again, did some kickoff returns, so he could be a weapon. Um, you know, he's undersized at 5'8", 195, but I look at him as a... As a um, as one of those change of pace backs and a guy that I think could end up finding his way onto an NFL roster because he has some of that versatility. He has that speed. Um, so he's a he's definitely an intriguing dude, that's for sure. Um, you know, you've got Ricky Barber, the, the defensive tackle, 6'3", 295. This is a guy that has good athleticism. You're going to see some bull rush from him. You're going to see some, some initial quickness coming off the football. Um, you know, Ricky Barber, I think it's a guy that has shown tremendous... Um, Tremendous ability and talent. Um, only played in nine games this year. Um, I was really expecting to see a huge banner year for him, um, but that just hasn't really happened. 23 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks at that defensive tackle position. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because of some of the injuries. Is he going to get a sixth year? Is he going to enter the draft? Uh, I thought he was a guy that could end up sliding his way into day three. Now I'm not so sure uh, because he had kind of a shaky year this year. And then uh, Tremont Morris Brash. He's 6'2", 245. He's kind of a hybrid defensive end, outside linebacker. Um, good speed coming off the edge. He was one of those guys that I, I thought showed really good, um, really good just relentless motor getting after the quarterback. And, and a guy that, you know, is always going to bring that energy. And uh, look, you know, had he just progressively got better each and every year there at, at UCF. Um, 55 and a half tackles for loss, 
25 sacks, six pass breakups, uh, a couple of forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, returned one of those for touchdown as a freshman this past season. Second year with double-digit tackles for loss, 18 and a half, eight and a half sacks. So he's progressed every year from three to three and a half to four to six, now eight and a half sacks. To me, uh, Jermon Morris Brash is a guy that should get drafted and uh, you know should be a day three guy and, and a guy that could stick on a roster because of his ability to uh, get after the passer. If nothing else, this is a guy that could stick on a practice squad and be one of those guys that could be a situational pass rusher. Uh, definitely, if nothing else, a guy that could end up making plays for you uh, on special teams. And then when I look at Georgia Tech, uh, KJ Wallace, the, the corner, 5'11", 186 pounds. This is a guy that uh, you know, has good ball, ball skills, good instincts there on the outside, a transfer from Alabama. Um, I look at him, I'd love to see what KJ Wallace, you know, he's 5'10", 189 pounds, so he's not the biggest guy, but I'd love to see what he could do against Javon Baker, um, see if the two of them could line up potentially against each other. Uh, seven pass breakups this past season. He is a redshirt junior, so he could come back, play one more year there for the Yellow Jackets, a guy that could be both a, a nickel, you know, a slot corner, a guy that could play on the outside a little bit as well. He's the guy to keep an eye out for um, if you're watching uh, Georgia Tech. Look, Georgia Tech, you know, this is a team that's kind of you know lo looking for that identity, and I think they found it. They've got you know Haynes King, the quarterback. Um, you know the running game, Dante Smith, Jamal Haynes, Trey Cooley. You got Dominic Blaylock, the transfer from Georgia. Eric Singleton, uh, they're uh, on the outside, and then uh, the defense is is making strides again under under uh, head coach Brent Key. You know six and six, and look, you know they started the season. Um, you know, with non-conference, that just was brutal for them. But they finished with you know, five and three in the ACC. You know, I think that's something that uh, you know, ultimately they're you know, in a fourth-place tie and uh, ended up making themselves bowl eligible. I think that's going to be an interesting game. I think UCF ends up coming away with the win, but I think Georgia Tech has already proven that they can make these games a lot closer than you would expect. Um, Saturday, we got a full slate of games. That's to be expected. We're going to see Troy and Duke in the uh, Birmingham Bowl. And when we get into that game, I, I think for Troy, what you're looking at is, is Javon Solomon. And you know, when I, I talked about Troy in the uh, Sunbelt Championship game, I talked more about uh, Richard uh, uh, Jabuner, uh, but uh, Javon Solomon, he's 6'2", 249, he's Richard Jr. Could he come back? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that he will. Um, look, you know, at 17 tackles for loss, 11 sacks. He explodes off the line. Um, does a great job in pursuit against the run. Um, first team all Sun Belt in 2023. A guy that uh, showed really good ability coming off the edge. Bends, swipes at the left hand, you know, the left tackle's hands. Showed the speed to really chase down uh, Joey Aguilar in that Sun Belt championship. Had a couple of sacks in that game. Um, does struggle at times uh, making plays in space against the run, which you know lends me to looking at Javon Solomon likely as a as an edge rusher, um, you know, really situational edge rusher more than anything else. Um, that's really kind of what jumps out for me. But I think the guy that I'm most excited to see play is Kamani Vidal, the running back, 5'8", 215 pounds. This dude is an absolute beast. If you haven't gotten to watch him play, I think he'll be in for a treat. Um, if you watch that App State uh, game there in the Sun Belt Championship, holy cow. Uh, 112.4 rushing yards per game. 
Um, that was ninth in the FBS. But uh, look, you know, App State just could not slow Kamani down. Uh, 26 carries, 233 yards, and five touchdowns. This is a guy that uh, you see the speed. You know, he attacks the hole in a hurry. You know, he's so decisive and gets downhill. But you know, quick lateral cuts um, in the backfield to make guys miss. That's something that I thought was really impressive. Um, he had a 36-yard touchdown in that game. Tight end climbs to the linebacker. Receiver sleeves off the corner to the outside. Vision immediately sees that. Foot's planted in the ground. Bounces it. Gets square to the hole. Makes a lateral cut to avoid the linebacker that's coming across. Runs through another tackle and then the speed to go the distance. You see the vision. You see his ability to make plays in space. He's only a junior, so you know Kamani Vidal likely to come back and play another year there for the Troy Trojans. But man... He is a lot of fun to watch. And I, I look at this Duke team, um, you know, you don't have Riley Leonard at quarterback. And, you know, R.J. Oban is joining him at, uh, at Notre Dame. So you, you don't have one of your, your better edge rushers. So that, that's going to be a concern, I, I think, for Duke for sure. Um, you know, a big question mark for me is, is whether or not uh, Graham Barton is going to play. He's really Duke's number one uh, draft pick. For, for this year because he has that five position versatility. Um, a guy that I think, you know, could he play tackle? I think he looks at himself as a tackle. I think that's one of the things that I've heard him say time and time again in interviews. Um, 36 career starts, um, a, a guy that, you know, can play center, uh, can play guard. I think he'll probably, you know, look at, be looked at as a potential center at the next level first and foremost. Uh, but a guy that I think could end up finding himself uh, in the first round because of that versatility. Look, when you talk about five-position versatility and you look at guys that were drafted, uh, you know, Peter Skaronsky is a name that comes to mind, and then before that, it was Rashawn Slater. You know, the versatility, NFL program, uh, you know, franchises love that, get him into the organization, and then figure out where he's going to fit best uh, you know, into your scheme. He's just so light on his feet, and that's one of the things that's so impressive. He's so aware, uh, you know, makes excellent reads on stunts you know they play florida state you know he's blocking the defensive end to the inside the stunt takes braden fisk to the outside picks him up takes on fisk and then shows the strength to anchor fisk is a guy that look that speed to power he's going to look to try to run you over bowl you over and he was able to anchor in a hurry that's one of the things that i thought was so impressive you see the kick slide beats linebackers to the edge shoots those hands inside and, and is able to ride those guys away from the pocket um Dwayne Carter is another guy that I, I think coming into this season, um, looking to have a, a breakout year. 6'3", uh, 300 pounds, defensive tackle, you know, a guy that played uh, a lot of different positions, both at end and, uh, and defensive tackle for uh, the Blue Devils. He'll likely be a, a three technique at the next level. Um, you know, lacks the violent hands to get off blocks. I thought he could get engulfed at times, disappear during portions of the game, especially against uh, Louisville. Um, you know, a guy that you know, I, I thought against Florida State, you know, got low, excellent leverage on on a fourth and one play. Um, uses his hands really well. You know, drive guys into the backfield to to help collapse the pocket. Um, it's just the consistency. That's one of the things that we just didn't see because, again, he, he looked dominant on one play and then he would disappear for stretches uh, during games this year. Um, you know, and, and so I think again. When you look at it, 11 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, 
and, and you're thinking, okay, he's going to build upon that and have an even better season because he was progressively getting better each and every year. This year, three and a half tackles for loss, just one sack, did have another three pass breakups, but just didn't have the impact that he had uh, coming into the season. So that's where I think, again, when you look at the defensive tackle class, this is a group that you're waiting to for guys to break out because of the lack of overall depth. And, and I think Dwayne Carter really missed out on an opportunity to see his draft stock continue to rise. I think he's a guy who's going to see himself drafted, but it's going to be towards the you know the back half of day three. But I think he had a chance to really push towards you know that, that fourth round, possibly even to the third round range with a big season. And uh, so I think he kind of missed the boat there. Looking for him to, to close his season out in a big way, though, in the Birmingham Bowl. The Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. Arkansas State Red Wolves taking on Northern Illinois. And when I look at Northern Illinois, I look at Norman Potter, uh, 6'5", 301, right tackle, uh, started 41 games in his career, first team All-Mac, um, two seasons in a row, good feet there at that right tackle position. I think he's the guy to really keep an eye out for. Uh, for the Huskies, when I look at uh, Arkansas State, look, this is a team Six and six in the Sun Belt, uh, you know Butch Jones's club. This is a team that really kind of battled their, their way to uh, uh, being bowl eligible. I look at this roster. I think it's it's a young group. Um, you know they're starting a, a freshman, uh, Jalen Rayner at quarterback. Uh, the running back, Jaquez Cro uh, Cross, also you know, he's only a sophomore. Uh, you know you look at the skill position guys. A lot of youngsters. On, on this group so uh, there really isn't a guy that I can key in and say alright we've got somebody here that uh, we should be keeping an eye out for for the draft this season um, but that's the team that I think you know Butch Jones is going to continue to look to develop um, as we move into uh, the 2024 season um, Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl you know, this is always a fun game, and uh, you look at both Air Force and James Madison. They've got a guy, uh, both teams do, and, and the first first guy that I have to look at is Jalen Green, undersized edge rusher, just 6'1", 245 pounds. Now look, I know he's lost for the year, only played in nine games, uh, out with the knee injury, won't play in this game, but uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't get a chance to talk about him. You know, he reminds me a little bit of, of Jose Ramirez, kind of that undersized edge rusher. Ramirez was taken uh, number 196 overall in round number six. You know, 6'2", 251, had 12 sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss in his final year um, at Eastern Michigan. But Jalen Green, I think what really was impressive was, you know, this was his first year after Isaac Uku transferred to uh, Ole Miss. You know, 21 tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks, a guy that was just relentless getting after the quarterback. And it's just, it's a shame that, you know, it goes down to the knee injury. You know, really, what does that bode, you know, in terms of his, um, in terms of his career? You know, does he get another chance to come back to the Dukes? I don't know where he's at from an eligibility standpoint. You know, is he going to get a chance to, uh, you know, a chance at the next level? You know, I, I think he's done enough to showcase his ability as a speed rusher. You see the hands, you know, the speed to power, uh, good with, with the push-pull coming off the edge as well. He doesn't have ideal length, but he has that speed coming off the edge. It can bend really well. You allow him to play in space, much like the Bucks have done with uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, allow him to continue to develop as an edge rusher. Uh, I think Jalen Green deserves a chance at the next level. I just don't know if that's going to happen 
uh, following that knee injury, which is really a shame. But when you look at Air Force, you have to talk about the Jim Thorpe Award winner, and that's Trey Taylor, uh, the, the safety, six foot, two hundred five. This is a guy. Um, you know, he started as a his career there as a running back, uh, but this past season, look, you know, seven seventy one tackles, four and a half going for loss. Three interceptions, four pass breakups. A guy that just, you know, he the instincts. You know, he was a guy that you know, was a he's a ball hawk. Um, you know, and he's the cousin of, of Hall of Famer Ed Reed. Um, just, I think that's one of the things that they, that they talked about um, on the college awards show was just you know his ability to learn from from Ed Reed a little bit. But uh, the instincts, I think that's really one of the things that jumps out. I think he's a guy that's going to get himself drafted. He's one of the better safeties in this year's draft class. Let's not get that twisted at all. Keep an eye out for number seven, the free safety for Air Force, and that is Trey Taylor. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl. You've got Georgia State and Utah State. And uh, I think the guy to really look out for in this game is going to be Travis Glover of Georgia State. 6'6", 323 pounds. Uh, First team all-sum belt at the left tackle spot. Has also played at left guard, right tackle. Uh, He's a big dude, has excellent size. He's going to be the guy to watch out for, I think, more than than really anybody else on that field. Um, And a guy that I think has the best chance to be drafted. Um, You know, they've got the running back, Marcus Carroll, 5'10", 205. Uh, You love the contact balance out of him. Um, he's a guy that I think will at least get a shot at the next level um, because of that athleticism, because of his ability to, to make plays in space. Um, he was a guy that was a, uh, you know, really, he and, and, and the quarterback, um, Darren Granger, those were the two guys that really were the focal points of that offense. Uh, Carroll, over 1,300 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns, also had 23 receptions. Uh, on the year, a guy that just was a, a versatile weapon once again for the Panthers. Um, a guy that likely won't get drafted, but I think he'll find his way onto a roster as an undrafted free agent and, and could make his way onto a practice squad because of that versatility. Uh, a guy that could end up being a change of pace back at the next level. Uh, but in terms of guys getting drafted, I think Travis Glover has probably the best potential to be drafted. Um, now you've got the 68 Ventures Bowl. Um, this is going to pit Eastern Michigan and uh, South Alabama. This is played in Mobile, Alabama. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, Jared Boyson is a guy to, to look out for, the safety there for uh, the Jaguars, six foot 205, first team, all Sun Belt, had four interceptions, um, good ball skills. Uh, that's one of the things that really jumps out when you watch his play. Um, really that veteran leadership uh, that he brings to the table on the back end of the defense for South Alabama. Um, they've got a running back in LaDamian Webb. He's only 5'7", but, but 208. Uh, just a pinball uh, guy, you know, a guy that's really a lot of fun to watch when you when you watch him play. Um, and then Yam Banks, this, uh, the other safety. He's 6'1", 208, had six interceptions in 2022. Um, he's a guy that's going to play both in the box and on the back end of the defense. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Yan Banks. I think he's a guy that um, shows some versatility. He's played corner, uh, but really I think safety is going to be his position. Uh, 15 tackles for loss, uh, two, uh, two and a half sacks, 14 pass breakups. You know, a guy that 
um, you know, teams kind of shied away from a little bit. I think that's why we saw you know Jaden Voison really kind of take a step forward this year was there were more passes thrown in his direction. And again, he took advantage of that with those four picks, another seven pass breakups on, on the day as well. I think those two safeties there for South Alabama, those are going to be the two guys that we really should be keeping an eye on more than anything else, which takes us to the Las Vegas Bowl. Utah, Northwestern, and Cole Bishop, the safety. We already know this is a guy that is going to be uh, – he's my number four safety prospect right now. Um, just a physical presence on the back end of the defense, 6'2", 205. Um, you know, look, 21.5 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks, uh, 12 pass breakups, three interceptions in his three-year career with uh, Utah. Just a nose for the football, a guy that likes to play downhill. He's going to hit you in the mouth, but a guy that can also – play on the back end is uh, you know in coverage I just love his instincts and his ability to play around the line of scrimmage play in the box as that that box defender and uh, you know Cole Bishop um, not going to be playing in the bowl game one guy who is though is Jonah Ellis and Jonah Ellis is the guy that's really burst onto the scene this year um, he's 6'3 232 pounds um, frankly you know didn't really do a whole lot in, in his first two years but uh, this past season, 12 sacks, 16 tackles for loss. Uh, just played in 10 games. He's battled some injuries, and he's only a junior. So there's a good chance that, that Ellis could come back for, for another season. He's a guy that I think is one of the better edge rushers um, in this year's draft class, though. Um, he has this, this spin move that's just pretty. I mean, that's one of the things that I think his his dad, Luther Ellis, uh, you know, his brother, Caden Ellis, they've really worked on uh, their, their game and, and really working on you know those counter moves and what is your what is your trademark move and that spin move is absolutely that uh, times up the snaps really well. Uh, the question really is going to be whether or not he actually plays. Uh, you know he has been battling those injuries. Does he come back and play another uh, another year? That's going to be the big question mark. And then how about Northwestern and the job that David Braun has done? You know we know how the season began with. Pat Fitzgerald getting fired over the hazing scandal there um, and still being able to battle their way to 7-5. and five. Um, you know, Really a, a tremendous, tremendous season. And uh, when I look at this group, I think Bryce Gallagher and Xander Mueller, the two linebackers, those are the two guys that jump out for me. Um, you know, the, the thing with it is, is, is Bryce Gallagher, you know, he, he's 6'2", 235, not the most athletic guy, but a guy that, look, you know, he's got a tremendous, you know, play, tremendous heart, plays with, uh, you know, with good instincts, you know, 6'2", 235, you know, again, not, not the biggest guy by any means, not the fastest, but still racked up 110 uh, tackles on the year. Xander Mueller is really the interesting one, though. He's 6'3", 235 pounds, and uh, what he's been able to do this year uh, over 100 tackles, 10 and a half going for loss, five sacks, three interceptions. He's really the, the top pro prospect for me um, when I look at that defense. And, uh, you know, the question is going to be whether or not he returns. I think he's a redshirt junior, so he could come back for another year. That'll be interesting and kind of keep an eye out for him. He's a guy, look, you know, he's put on about 20 pounds of, of muscle. And so I, I think he's a guy that um, hopefully – uh, he'll be able to make it back for one more year there with uh, with the Wildcats. I think he'd really kind of be the linchpin of that defense going forward. So he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for there uh, going against Utah. The Hawaii Bowl, we're going to get to see San Jose State take on Coastal Carolina. I think when you talk about San Jose State, you have to talk about Chevin Cordero. And if nothing else, just the what he's meant 
to football in the Mountain West. I, I think that's one of the things that you really have to talk about. Over 13,000 yards in his career and 112 total touchdowns. Started his career at Hawaii, so it's fitting that he'll be finishing his career uh, on Oahu. Um, played four years there with uh, the Warriors, transferred to, to San Jose State. And look, you know his, his accuracy there at Hawaii, you know, it was just under 59%. Comes to San Jose State, over 61% uh, you know, with, with his completion percentage. Like his last year at Hawaii, you know, 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. And uh, in his two years with, with San Jose State, I think, you know, Brent Brennan's done a great job with him. Uh, 42 touchdowns with just 10 picks, over 62% completion percentage this past season. Um, a guy that I think has just continued to progress. Is he a guy that's going to really make waves at the next level? He'll probably be a, a guy that's going to be invited to a camp. Will he get? Will he stick? You know, that's really going to be a big question mark. I don't know that he really will stick at all, but he's still a guy that, to me, um, is worth talking about because of the fact that you know he's meant so much to the Mountain West. And if there is going to be anybody that teams are going to be looking at, it's likely going to be him. I think the other guy worth mentioning is Trey Jenkins, the safety there for San Jose State, 6'1", 213 pounds, um, 241 tackles in his career, nine going for loss. Three sacks, six interceptions, 14 pass breakups. He's really the veteran leader on the back end of that defense. A sixth-year senior. Um, so a guy, you know, he's going to be an older dude on the back end of, of any defense. So that's obviously going to be a, a concern for teams. Um, and, and really, I guess one other guy to make mention of, really more as a project than anything else, but it's Nick Nash. 6'1", 194, started his career at quarterback. And uh, this last season, you know, 47 catches, 704 yards, eight touchdowns, making some acrobatic plays, and really showcased himself as a as a weapon, as a receiver. He could come into a camp, and you know, the fact that he's been able to show his ability to transition from the quarterback position to receiver is interesting. And could a team decide they want to take a flyer on him and potentially look at? further development with Nick Nash that that's something that I think would at least be intriguing enough for teams to at least give him the look if nothing else um, I think you know invite him get him into camp and see if there's anything that's that's there but uh, you know, I, I've seen enough from him to say you know what this guy he, he's he's got really nice body control and he can you know, play with some physicality on the outside so I, I think that's at least worth uh, giving a look for sure and then if you look at Coastal Carolina, you know, look, this is a team, 7-5 um, and five on the year. Tim Beck, first year after Jamie Chadwell moved on to Liberty. And, um, you know, I think for me, when I think about the Chanticleers this year, um, it's probably going to be Sam, uh, Sam Pinkney. He's a big receiver, 6'4", 220 pounds, started his career at Georgia State. Um, he's a physical guy, physical presence there on the outside. That's one of the things that I think absolutely jumps out. Uh, with Grayson McCall entering the transfer portal, he's not going to have uh, the quarterback play that you'd like to see at the end of his his career. You're going to be seeing a guy like uh, Ethan Vasco, uh, the redshirt freshman, uh, stepping in. Look, you know they've got three freshman quarterbacks that were backing up Grayson McCall, so you know that's going to be one of the concerns that you have. But this is a guy that look, you know, he can separate a little bit on the outside. He's a guy that can track the ball well. He adjusts to the football, able to high point the ball, adjust to it in the air, uses that size 
to his advantage. I think that's really uh, you know, one of the big things that I'm going to be looking for is, is what, what can Sam Pinkney do on the outside? Uh, again, love the size. And, and when you think about him, another guy who was a six-year senior, so you know, age working against him. But uh, in his two years there at Coastal Carolina, back-to-back seasons over 900 yards uh, and uh, 10 touchdowns. So a guy that I think is at least worth at least worth giving a look and potentially making his way onto a practice squad. Tuesday, December 26th, we've got the Quick Lane Bowl. Bowling Green taking on Minnesota. I haven't heard anything about Tyler Newbin not playing in this game. Uh, 6'2", 210 pounds. This dude has uh, tremendous ball skills. I think that's one of the things that, that we'll be talking about um, as we progress closer and closer to the draft. He's, he's my number two safety right now. If you want to consider Cooper DeGene uh, a safety, then he's probably number three. Then you go DeGene, then Cam Kitchens, and then Tyler Dubin right there. Uh, the free safety, though, look, you know, 13 interceptions in his career, five this past season, which tied for, for fifth in the FBS. Uh, but a guy that I, I just I love to watch him play because he's got tremendous instincts. He's got the, uh, you know, the ability – you know, what I, I think he takes a proper angle to the football as well. He was always looking to to make a play. Um, the ball skills are, are yeah, as I said, are evident. But he's aggressive coming downhill against the run. You know, he, he's, he's very uh, a very sure tackler in the open field. Um, likes to play in the box at times, and um, also is is a, an intimidating presence on the back end of the defense um, over the top, both for receivers and for quarterbacks. I think that's something that that is also very evident in his play. Uh, 207 tackles in his career, as I mentioned, the 13 interceptions, um, but also 11 pass breakups. Dynamic playmaker and a guy that will come off the board early in the draft. If he's not a first rounder, I think he's just outside of that. I think he'll end up being a guy that's gonna hear his name called um, in the second round when it's all said and done. Uh, the next bowl game that we have is the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. And I think when we look at this game, you know, you've got Rice against Texas State, two teams that I think overachieved this year. When you look at Rice, I think Luke McCaffrey is the number one guy that I would go to. 6'2", 195. This is a guy that's really interesting because, you know, obviously JT Daniels uh, medically retired. You know, so Rice, they're going to need a quarterback that's going to be able to throw the football. Um, so, but when you look at, at Luke, he started his career at Nebraska as a quarterback. You know, and he came to Rice uh, as a quarterback as well. But then as a receiver, uh, really this past season was a breakout. You know, 68 catches, 963 yards, 12 touchdowns. You know, I, I would expect him to go over a thousand yards this year. Um, and. Uh, and when you think about that, you know, 126 catches, 1,686 yards, 18 touchdowns. I mean, it's no wonder. I mean, when you think about Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, you know, the bloodlines are definitely strong there. And, uh, you know, could he come back to Rice for another season? I, I think it's definitely possible. You know, he'd be a six-year senior. But, again, I think that's something that could definitely be on the radar for him. Uh, you know, could he transfer one last time as a grad transfer? That's also possible. Um, but I think he's the number one prospect for Rice. And then what's interesting about Texas State, you know, G.J. Kinney, 7-5 uh, on, on the year there in the Sun Belt. 
Uh, really impressive taking the Bobcats to, to a bowl game. They've got T.J. Finley, the quarterback. You know, the name sound, sounds familiar. He started his career there at Auburn. Uh, just so many transfers. I think that's the other thing that's crazy is, you know, we saw you know, Colorado didn't necessarily get all the guys to gel. USC struggled at times getting players to gel coming out of the transfer portal. But G.J. Kinney really made it work there at Texas State. And uh, T.J. Finley, you know, uh, Kinney really did a great job working with him. Um, as a passer, just under 69% completion percentage, over 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I think that is something that really uh, catches your eye because prior to that, you know, at LSU, you know, he just threw 140 or threw, you know 140 attempts, but a 57.1% completion percentage at Auburn, 56.9 with 181 shows up at Texas State and suddenly this is a guy that's able to sling the football around and make some plays. I think that's one of the things that um, you know, teams are going to be looking at for sure is you know, the, the development. Is this a guy that could potentially sneak onto a roster? We'll be talking about that in next year's draft class because, again, he is a, uh, is a redshirt junior, so he'll be back for one more year. Um, another guy on, on this roster, again, you know, it's, it's littered with, with young guys. Uh, Ishmael Mahdi, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 6.1 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns, 18 receptions as well. Uh, only a sophomore, so he's going to be back for another year, uh, but definitely a guy that uh, is going to be one of the focal points there on offense. Defensively, Brian Holloway is an undersized linebacker, transferred from, LS, uh, from SMU, excuse me, 5'11", 205, so he's an undersized guy, but... Man, 98 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, just a nose for the football. Um, again, you know, the lack of size, you know, to me, he's not a guy that I think is really viable at the next level. But one guy who is, is Ben Bell. You know, he transferred from Louisiana Tech. He's 6'2", 238, a guy that I think could potentially be an edge rusher. And he's a guy that I think really it, we're looking to next season because, you know, in his two years there with the Bobcats, 10, 10 sacks, 16 tackles for loss, but really it was a development this year. Uh, 49 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, 8 sacks. A guy that has a pretty good get-off and a guy that has a nose for for the football. Can bend a little bit coming off the edge. He'd have to be a 34 outside linebacker, so really wanted to see what he could do in space. Again, that's for next year's draft class, but again, G.J. Kinney, what he's been able to do there at um, at Texas State has, has really been phenomenal and, and kudos to him for sure. And then finally, the last bowl game that we'll cover is the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, and that's Kansas taking on UNLV. And, and these are two programs when you think about you know, over the last decade and uh, you know where Lance Leipold and Barry Odom have these two programs. It's just it's remarkable. You look at Dominic Puni uh, out of Kansas, uh, the left tackle, 6'4", 320 pounds, First team, all Big Ten, no sacks given up. Um, I, I think he's a guy. When I look at at, at Dominic Pooney, you know, six four three twenty. You know, does he have the length to play tackle? I think he's actually a better off as a guard. I think he has starter potential at the next level, but I think that potential is going to be inside at the guard position. That's really where I think he's going to flourish. Um, you know, Kansas. You know, you've got uh, you know a guy like Kenny Logan at the safety position. Uh, he's a guy to keep an eye out for, six foot, 210 pounds. A guy that I think you know, could end up making his way as a late day three prospect. Um, a guy that I, I think is really the leader of that secondary for the Jayhawks. Uh, you know, he's six foot, 195, 374 tackles in his career. 
uh, 12 and a half for loss, six interceptions, 19 pass breakups. Um, a guy that really does a great job patrolling the back end of the defense. Um, you know, the win over, over OU had 10 tackles. Uh, finishes out the, the performance again against Cincinnati, the last game with another 10 tackle performance. Um, consistency, you know, that's one of the things that you wonder with him. But look, you know, this is a guy that you know, had two seasons with over 105 tackles um, in 2021 and 2022. Um, so I think he's a guy that could get a look as a potential draft prospect there. Um, the corners, Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson, both of those guys should stay for one more year. I think they have uh, potential at the next level, but I think they need to stay. So that's the defensive side of the football. When we look at the offense, Devin Neal, that running back, this is a guy who is a top 10 running back in this year's draft class, but I think he's a guy that needs to come back and play one more year there in that offense, hopefully with a healthy uh, Jalen Daniels, the quarterback, who's just a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal quarterback for the last two years. He's been battling injuries, and so we haven't really gotten to see his full potential at that quarterback spot. But Devin Neal, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, over 1,200 yards this past year, 6.6 yards per carry, 15 touchdowns, 24 receptions, has power between the tackles, excellent hands in the passing game, a guy that has speed on the outside. He needs to come back for one more year. Um, one guy that's going to be a sleeper for me um, on the offensive side of the football that I don't think people are really talking about is Mason Fairchild, the tight end. 6'5", 250, a guy that could possibly play that H-back role. Um, you know, really an inline blocker as well. I think he does a solid job there. One of the things that you know that I like with him is he's just he's a, a solid weapon up the scene. Just always seem to find ways to get open. Um, you know, look, you know, 60 catches over 860 yards and nine touchdowns um, the last two seasons at Kansas. Um, this past season, just under 17 yards per reception. Um, I think he's a guy, will he get drafted? Likely not. Um, but a guy that I think could surprise and make his way onto an NFL roster and a guy that could stick because he's a good blocker and he's a reliable target in the passing that's really one of the things for me. I talked about him last year. I thought that he was uh, a senior, but uh, I, I misspoke. Ultimately, um, he had one more year of eligibility as a fifth-year senior, and uh, you know, I'm glad that he did because I think he's continuing to showcase his ability as a pass catcher there for Kansas. So keep an eye out for Mason Fairchild as well. I think he's a guy that could challenge to be a third tight end on uh, an NFL roster. So that'll bring an end to this podcast, really the first half of bowl games. Next podcast, I'm going to get recorded here in the next couple of days. We're going to go ahead and cover the back half of bowl season. We'll start with the playoff. We'll talk about Bama, Michigan, Texas, and Washington before making our way to games on the 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th of December. Now remember, December 31st is a Sunday that's reserved for the NFL so we won't have any bowl games then so again there will be a lot to cover we'll be talking about at least one pro prospect to keep an eye out for um, in each of these games what I'll try to do is talk about at least one pro prospect from each team not just one player to keep an eye out for I think there are a lot of teams that have multiple guys that we should be watching out for obviously when you're talking about the bowls and uh, guys sitting out bowls to ultimately get themselves ready for the draft. You know, that's something that um, 
comes into play. The transfer portal, you have a lot of other guys that are going to be sitting out as well. So you won't really get a chance to watch them as they end the season. Um, so that's a little bit of a disappointment as well. You'd love to be able to see guys stick it out for their team you know, throughout the, the rest of the year before they actually move on into the transfer portal. But, you know, that's just the way things happen. And, uh, you know, we don't always get to see that play out. So uh, until next time, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care. Enjoy your week, everyone. Come back and we'll do this all over again in a couple of days. And until next time, I am out of here.